This is Cybersound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Maresca. Welcome to Cybersound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, uh, joined, as always, by Steve Maresca and Matt Fasaro. Hey, hey guys. Hey, Ron. Uh, so no guest star today. We, we I feel like we did a, a, a bunch of episodes in a row where we had guest stars. Yeah, so. just the three of us. <laughs> just, just the three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our, our monthly news segment, uh, and I think there's a there's at least one thing certainly that's making a lot of headlines, and that's the, uh, I guess the potential hostile takeover of Elon Musk and Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, and you know maybe. maybe a, Maybe on the outside, it doesn't feel like there's you know, much in the way of, of implications there. But uh, certainly, you know, social media platform, you know, large user base, uh, potential ability to, to, you know, I don't know if I want to say control the way people think, right? But certainly influence the way people think, right? There, I mean, there, there's some things there that we have to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's Steve made a good point this morning when we brought it up briefly. It's not done yet. Right. Not we'll, done yet. we'll see what actually right. happens after a shareholder meeting, but right there are a lot of headlines that say yeah. Yeah, Elon Musk acquires Twitter. Right. Uh, no, not not quite yet. Right. Yeah. right. I mean, the the number is crazy, right? I mean, crazy. So was it forty four point something? Something. Billion? I thought it was fifty four. Fifty four. No, yeah, I think it was forty forty something billion. Okay. So, but but still, I, mean, I think I think YouTube was bought for what one point eight billion by Google. It's just a nuts number to me, but. Anyway. But what service would you rather have? <laughs> you know, YouTube or Twitter, right? And I, I don't yeah, I don't know these days. I think YouTube probably makes more money than Twitter. I have to imagine. Sure. <laughs> but it, it, I guess from our, our security angle on this, I don't know. I think what people are probably more worried about is someone like Elon Musk just suddenly having control over, you know, the the world's forum, if you will. Well, um, well he, he stated <laughs> his opinion as being sort of a free Free speech absolutist, meaning, you know, everyone can come to the table. And free speech has never really meant that in application. No. Uh, so <laughs> chaos can, can result. And I think that's what a lot of the secondary um, hubbub tends to be about on this subject. Uh, absolutely, the return of, um, you know, unpleasant subjects and volatile personalities to Twitter is of, of high concern and especially in the sphere of, you know, cyber warfare and uh, geopolitical concerns, they actually impact public discourse. And right. uh, no one knows exactly where it will go if he does actually fulfill some of those stated philosophical opinions about the platform. Yeah, they, it's going to be very interesting to see what changes there. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe nothing changes. Who knows? Maybe he just wanted to do that. But uh, I know there, there's a mass exodus going on as far as employees. Who knows what that means for stability and you right. know, however the, that whole platform is managed could just fall apart, right? <laughs> I know a lot of Twitter users would say, hey, 40-something billion dollars, if that gets me an edit button, I'm satisfied. If that yeah, gets I me know. an edit button. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's, it remains to be seen what this actually means for everyone as far as far as that goes but yeah i mean i think you know we just watch it and you yeah. know maybe in in june or thereabouts we return to it and say you know this turned into nothing or you know oh boy it's terrible so yeah there's meaningful impact to us to some degree twitter is a fantastic resource for really early uh alerts about something actionable in the security so sphere yeah if if it produces an exodus of high quality users like that that affects us literally mm-hmm. uh but you know more in general 
I think the the message is, well, pour some water on the, the headlines. There's some time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not that worried about the exodus because I feel like they'll land somewhere. So if it's not Twitter, then I just go to a different platform and get probably that same information. So, um, so you know, it may be. And I and I agree with you. I right? probably time to to move away from the Twitter discussion already. Uh, <laughs> the the other bit of news that I th- that I think is interesting is the idea of bringing the you know the CVE uh, model right the the common vulnerability exposures model that that I think a lot of at least security and, and maybe IT practitioners are used to seeing for uh, you know flaws in operating systems and applications et cetera. Uh, you know, extending that a little bit more toward the the cloud space, and I think giving some some visibility there, and and I, th- I mean I think it's right to have a push there, right? There's this I right. think there's a sense, misguided sense that hey I've moved my workload to the cloud, I no longer have to worry about security, right? And the the reason the big thing behind that is that MITRE, the organization that issues CVE identifiers, um, at the moment doesn't really designate identifiers that are deemed to be the responsibility of cloud providers. Right, right. And that's the that's the general gist of this. But CVEs in general as a scheme are a little long in the tooth, 22 years old or something to that effect. And most of the time, um, folks in IT, folks in actual IT operations or security operations are frankly struggling with simply how to make sense of the material, sense of the information and prioritize appropriately. There's a lot of ground here that could be improved. Uh, I'd certainly welcome something for cloud providers because. So the only process that's there right now that I suppose is not even really sanctioned by anyone is they, they will let us know if they're affected by us. Yeah. Voluntary disclosure. Right. right. Yeah. So they, they don't have their own designation at all. Um, and it's a good point that you know it would be nice if there was a record, even if they did completely mitigate that. You know, if if there was some type of data breach that gets found, maybe even years later, who knows? It'd be nice to have this stuff documented so that we know about it. Right. I have some other you know tactical issues with CVEs. They're often published yeah. months. They're disclosed months after they were actually created, which is a reasonable thing in many other areas. So I don't want anyone to right, think right. that I'm advocating about immediate disclosure. That has a yeah, responsible a disclosure box. has a, right. a very good place. <laughs> but um, all the same, there are a great number of CVEs that have zero information attached to them. There needs to be a balance struck. And most of the time, it's biased towards um, PR, in my opinion, right. and not necessarily effective defense. So anything that really increases the odds of a defender to actually make good decisions is something that I perceive as a positive move. So the time frame of this, though, um, do we have clarity on that? I, I mean, it looks like they, they basically brought a group together to start discussing how this might look, how it might work, and what the implementation process might be, right? So there's no timetable of, hey, we'll see this in a year. No, th- yeah, th- th- this is going the usual route of right. like a request for comments and right. um, committee-based decision-making. There are several consortia like the Cloud Security Alliance and so forth, so forth that are getting together with big players to talk about it, but right. it's more of the community has a consensus yeah. that this is probably a good idea and now let's put something together. Exactly. Yeah. It's on the horizon, but no real expected delivery or arrival. Right. Uh, so speaking of CVEs then, uh, I think at least one of you put on the list, you know, talking through one specific CVE. Uh, the, the psychic signatures in Java. 
uh, and and you know I'll be transparent. Uh, I read through it quickly, and it's probably best if one of you two address it. Yeah, I mean, t- talk about long disclosure times. Yeah. Uh, so this this is a CVE that uh, what was it? November eleventh. Yeah. yeah, November eleventh of last year, twenty twenty one. The issue was found. It was not fixed until April nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Discuss. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, appears this is a, a bug with Java having to do with um, it's a certain type of signature, right? It, it, they're called ECDSA signatures. Um, I'll, I'll say with the jargon. Uh, basically, it's just a, a signature for verifying certain data activity, right? Right. And, and the bug, in a nutshell, would enable an attacker to effectively forge some types of SSL certificates, you know, the thing that protects HTTPS and things of that nature, to convince a reliant secondary party that they're interacting with something legitimate. So we're talking about attacks of deception, uh, interception attacks, things of that sort. And it looks like this particular problem was an issue across Java 15, Java 16, 17, and 18. So the, the recommendation right now is to get them all out of production and upgrade. That's going to be a challenge. So for those of you that don't know, typically Java stacks like this, you'll find them in kind of huge types of applications these days. You don't see it too much in your one-offs anymore. You're going to find them in like uh, student information databases, um, large HR types of applications. Identity federating platforms, things of that variety. Usually things that are kind of important and they're not changed out very often for a good reason because they're complicated, expensive. You You, you mean (laughs) payroll processing on a a Java stack that's vulnerable to this might be a problem? Yeah, I mean, I I think really the, the... the moral of this whole story is just get the heck off Java. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it just seems like there's always a new Java CV. Yeah, I mean, they, they come constantly. There's there's either performance issues or security issues with it. I don't I don't necessarily have much faith in Oracle making this a better platform anytime soon. So um, I'm ready to sunset it on my own. But <laughs> I, I got I got a lot of flack internally earlier for saying uh, you know distorting the usual Java mantra right once run anywhere to be right once exploit anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do want to counter Matt a little bit. You know, enterprise runs on Java. It's not going away. Yeah. It is still around. Java will be around with the same oh, sort of yes. timeline. Um, I don't disagree there. <laughs> realistically, though, because of Java's uh, ubiquity, uh, we have issues like the log4j issue or the spring for shell problem recently. Th- these are fundamentally in the underlying big infrastructure of the internet and most large companies. And extinguishing these bugs is very challenging. Here are some reasons. Um, You may encounter a server that runs multiple different versions of Java simultaneously in parallel because it's supported in almost an expectation. Therefore, you know, actually rooting out every little component is a a major issue. Java's embedded in devices. It's embedded in applications that are deployed without the actual IT department having any awareness that Java is present in it. So actually fixing these problems takes an enormous amount of effort. Yep. Yeah, it's, it, it goes back to our conversations that we have quite often on this podcast or, you know, making sure you have inventory of these things so that when the next Java thing comes up, you at least know where it is, what you've got to address and um, have a plan. I, I think that, you know, just to summarize the exact problem, because I it's a little abstract for 
for mm-hmm. many audiences. Yeah, that's why I saved it for last. Yeah. Right? No. yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with the Doctor Who um, series, long-running uh, British uh, sitcom slash sci-fi slash drama, whatever you'd like to call it, depending upon the season, <laughs> um, the Doctor has a tendency to hold up a blank identity card to say whoever he wants to be at that moment and induces belief in the uh, observer. And that's being passed around as a somewhat tongue-in-cheek way of representing what this bug does. Essentially, it allows an attacker to claim that they are whomever they wish to be. And as you might imagine, when identity is used to gate access to data, to systems, to you know grant privileges, that's a major issue. So I would expect that this one has a long tail. We'll still be talking about it, at least in vulnerability reports, for another couple of years. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see if, if there's any um, public data disclosures that happen because of this. I'm, I'm not I'm not personally aware of any that are directly related back to this, but I'm sure they're going to come out now that this article's out. So. Yeah, and, and you know, and if people don't care about the psychic signature, they at least start watching Doctor Who. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, final comment for me in a less okay. joking manner. Um, Oracle gave this a, oh, yeah. a, a score, a common vulnerability scoring system score of 7.5, which is – in, in our estimation, wildly inappropriate. Wrong. Yes. Very wrong. <laughs> um, various other entities in the security sphere and peer researchers have definitely escalated this up to the top of the scale. You should treat it organizationally as such as well. Yeah, that, yeah that's good advice. So, um, well, you normally we say, if, you know, if you want further discussion around this, you know, hit us up on on. Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, and of course we want to be followed there, but I'm not sure there's a whole lot to talk about, you know, with the, with the Twitter acquisition or, you know, <laughs> the CVE stuff that might be a, the year plus out. Uh, so, you know, as always, we hope you got some information out of this and, and certainly pay attention to the, the Java vulnerability. And if there's topical news out there that you want to hear us talk about, feed it our way. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we're always looking for input there. Uh, so as always, thanks for listening. We appreciate it uh, and look for future episodes. Stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.